Hello, and welcome to the pod of Never. This is your host, Matthew Nanez. This is the first episode since uh, I've been back in my salty home of Utah, close to Salt Lake City. So I'm really, really happy about that. And this is the first proper episode since uh, I've done that. So that just means that things are slowly getting back to normal, which I'm very happy about. Today's episode is with my friend Miranda Reinhardt. She creates zines at Windy House Press, and also she's a co-host of Endless Scroll. Uh, also, she has a, a newsletter called Something Old, which is how I found out about her. She has a great point of view on um, music business, and she also has a great point of view on um, just looking at old records and, and putting her spin on it and, and just how vulnerable she is when she writes about that, and I think that's really awesome. We also talk about what happens when your favorite writers start to notice you and, and compliment your work, which is also which is always a fun thing. And also, we talk about the the value of quitting, in in why she quit law school, and because she was very very public about that in, in her newsletter and also on her uh, social media. So I think this is a great episode as far as um, if you're if you've ever wanted to start creating anything like zines or um, a newsletter or a blog or anything like that, I think this, uh, this podcast is very valuable. But before we get to that, just a couple small updates on my music, uh, my band, Swans of Never. I've got some really cool things coming, like really cool things coming, <laughs> objectively cool things coming. So, um, but until then, you can go to my Spotify or Bandcamp. My band is called Swans of Never. It's the music that you've been hearing all along in this intro. Go check it out. But now, here's my interview with Miranda Reinhardt. Enjoy. So the reason uh, I have you on, of course, like I've been, I've been following you for a few months now, like I'm reading your Substack and in um, your your good Twitter follow and oh, thank you <laughs> and I th I think and, and we've talked before and I think you have a really unique perspective on a like the scene in music and also just like making shit yeah and, <laughs> and like I'm I'm in those worlds I'm like I'm fascinated with too you know and I think though at least the older you get the the more you you know you you don't really have time to like uh see which bands are popping off or whatever you just kind of like grab things as you as you can as they come to you and as yeah. they come to me yeah, yeah um, whatever happens to cross your path at whatever point yeah which is great too though i mean that's that's kind of how it it's how it should be at least like my favorite music that i've, that I've like that's how it's come to me like yeah. whether it's a friend just naturally giving me something or i was yeah. awake at the right time watching him right. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> But like it's it's been really interesting to see, especially like during like the last couple of years, and including COVID, where um, these new scenes are coming up, and like, and I'm starting to see a shift of you know making more physical uh, products, whether it be like yeah. tapes. Of course, like vinyl has always been yeah more or less a thing, but like whether zines or or um, yeah, tapes are huge. Tapes. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. That's so coming back, <laughs> especially now that you can't get vinyl for like a year. <laughs> why not? Why, why not get something cheaper yeah. and more? Um, but we can touch on that later. But yeah. but that's why. <laughs> but that's that's why I, I have you on here because I think your your story is really really cool, 
And, you. you know, I normally talk to musicians, but I think there's value to having just in general, just making stuff is just essentially like what musicians do anyway, you know, and I think there's a lot, a lot of parallels. So um, I think the story really begins is like, how did you even get into like the scene and or music in general? What's your okay. story, the origin story there? <laughs> origin story. So I guess like initially I would have, see, where, where would I start? I guess like uh, getting into like pop punk stuff in high school. Like, like I was really big into like all time low and that kind of stuff when I was pretty young and my sisters were big into like taking back Sunday and mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. They were a little bit older than I am. So, uh, it's like, that's sort of like where like that interest starts, but like in high school, I started going to like local stuff and, uh, you know, getting really into like, uh, you know, emo and pop punk and yeah. going to shows and like in Chicago and stuff like that. Um, I went to college. I have a like a music and media business degree that I don't use or whatever, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny, but like uh, I went to you know, like an arts media like college in Chicago and, mm. um, you know, by by virtue of that, getting into doing or like, you know, talking to musicians and like being like around in that space and um I used to volunteer for a long time with this organization called Our Music My Body where like I'd go and like table shows and talk about like consent and how like sexual assault and harassment like work within like music spaces so I go to festivals and go to mm -hmm. shows and stuff like that um I guess like as far as more like I guess I don't know how much like my involvement is like I guess it's a little bit more structured now as like someone who can be like, oh, I'm like a writer, like whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's what I guess like starts with like making zines and I got into making zines um, like 20, like early, like 2018. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, I was dating a guy who lived in LA. I dated him for like most of college. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'd go visit him and he'd like have to work. So I just have to kill like nine hours, <laughs> just like, <laughs> around in Los Angeles alone and so um I was visiting him one time and I uh the first thing I guess I ever made was a photo zine it was like uh like I don't know it wasn't very long it was like 24 pages or something but it was like mm -hmm. of different like film stuff that I'd done over the last couple of years just like because I wanted to like do something with those things but I didn't have like an outlet for that and I didn't have like mm -hmm. I I, I didn't and still don't get a ton out of like making things online. Mm -hmm. Like digital. Digital stuff, yeah. right. So yeah. like I, you know, I've made tons of friends online and communities online that I love, but mm -hmm. like as far as like making like, like creating something digitally, like it doesn't feel the same to me as like creating something physically. And so I made a zine cause I, um, you know, I'd always go to Chicago Zine Fest. Um, the Chirp Record Fair always had zine stuff, that stuff in Chicago and like going to like really like cool like bookstores in LA that had zines and bookstores in Chicago. And so like, I was like, oh, I could do that. You know, yeah. it's not that hard, <laughs> you know, I can do it. And so I did <laughs> and, and like uh, ended up like making a bunch of those. And then later that year, uh, actually like making like, uh, I guess it's a music-based zine about like, how like fashion and like clothing the way that like 
like women and like just like non-men in sort of punk and DIY emo mm. sort of scenes, how how you dress like affects your interactions with other people. Right. Um, so I talked to a bunch of people for that and I mailed them all uh, disposable cameras. Uh-huh. And they like, so they would take pictures of like their clothes and their friends and like that kind of stuff um, yeah. and then put it all together. And, and I guess that's sort of that's how right. that started was yeah. like with that zine and then going forward. And I didn't really start like writing anything other than zines until last year. Yeah. So that, that's really interesting. Cause like for me, when, like when I was getting into like punk, hardcore, emo, like I would hear about zines like in the periphery, like, yeah. like that was like really like scene. You're doing something for the scene, right? Like at least in my mind. I don't my, know that I mind. am. <laughs> right, right. But I started, started but like- they were, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And even even so, like there were um, in Salt Lake City, we have a thing called Slug, which was effectively our like mass produced zine that was uh, given out for free. You know, they had like right. articles on bands and stuff. So like that yeah. was like, but then like you hear about like ones that are put together, like old flyers, right? Like Xerox and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And by the time I got to college, um, I thought other than like Slug, um, I just thought that world was just kind of because at that point Slug became more of like a real like magazine with like sponsors mm -hmm. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, yeah. But I remember for one of my classes, one of the assignments was making a zine. And um, not growing up, you know, I failed like arts and crafts and I had to actually <laughs> do it together because I'm not very good with like those sort of, like I'm, I'm ambidextrous, so I don't know which like hand to cut with. So I'm just like, I don't know what to do, but it was really cool. Like yeah. I, I, it was like basically my little like crappy drawings along with some like, you know, lyrics or whatever else. It was like, even though I'm not very good at that sort of like yeah. thing, it felt very accessible. Uh, so is that something like before you went to those zine like zine festivals like was that something that was in your periphery too of something no. you could make or was it did someone just drag you along like holy shit so <laughs> so like I guess to me like I always knew about like like punk zines like I knew mm -hmm. about like maximum rock and roll or like right yeah like comic bus and stuff like that um but it was never like, like people my age weren't like making them. They right. didn't do that. It was very much like a thing for like old punk dudes. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> like, they did it. It's old <laughs> punk dudes did it. Or like older, like, like punk people were the ones making zines. I didn't yeah. have like a in on that. Like I didn't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I knew what it was, but I didn't like, I don't know. Like when I was in high school, like I wasn't, people weren't making zines. If they made zines, it was like, they call them zines and like people do this where like it's like oh it's a zine but it's yeah. like it's a photo book that they're yeah. selling with their record which is cool mm -hmm. like don't get yeah. me wrong like that's a cool thing is it a zine hard to say um mm -hmm. depends what you define that as but like yeah. um very different vibe it's that's what i mean it's very like um but yeah so like punk stuff like punk zine stuff like wasn't really happening mm -hmm. and it, it does to me even now still feel like like um like the people who run Chicago Zine Fest, like zine community stuff in Chicago, like terrifies me. Like I would never feel comfortable going to like an event. <laughs> like and I've made them for years and like, it's a huge part of like who like I consider like myself. But when I got into making them, it was like, because I liked photo zines, I liked art zines. I liked like mini comics 
stuff mm. like that. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, I could do that. And I could do it. And like, it ended up being connected to like the music that I like because most everything in my life ends up that way. Yeah. Um, but I don't like consider myself, I didn't ever like consider that like, you know, punk zines were like why I was doing it. Cause it yeah. just didn't like, it scared me. Like I didn't, I, I feel very intimidated by like, you know, if you're like 37 years old and you have been making zines forever, I'm scared of you. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't know how to deal with that. Like, I, like, like those people scare me. And, and like, uh, so it was always just something that I like did alone and like very mm. much, or like with people that like were like my friends that I met online. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, which is interesting. People, yeah. People ask me about like zine stuff a lot and I don't actually like know that much about like older punk stuff outside of yeah. like the really big things. Right. I don't think you have to by any means. Right. I think like the zine stuff is like super accessible. Um, I think people, unless you like force them to make one, they don't realize how like it's easy. It's not that hard. Yeah. Um, but it, I think people are like, like people ask me questions and I'm like, you can do whatever. Like you don't like have to use like a big like publishing software. Like mm. it made it, will it make it a little bit easier? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Or like, like, I don't know. People, people, I think make it seem harder than it is. Uh, yeah. Because like, if you don't do something like, you know, it seems hard, but it isn't. <laughs> well, for, for me, like during, during, so in my college class, all the instructor did was like, give us a, like a YouTube link. Yeah. Like, That's what you need. <laughs> and that was, and that was it <laughs> like to, to, to do that. Like, and there was like instructions on how to format it within like Microsoft word right. and like you're good to go. Like yeah, I had more, <laughs> no, I, I had more trouble folding and cutting than anything else, but that's just how my brain works. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, do you, do you feel like as far as like the older, the older folk who have been in this world for like 20 plus years, do you feel it's like imposter syndrome or like, or it's just, you, you just can't like, maybe can't relate or maybe yeah. you don't belong. Like what, like, like what I is it? I think, I think it's that, um, I don't know. Maybe it's imposter syndrome, I guess. I don't know. I don't really know. Like, cause I think what I make is like cool and, and totally yeah. valid. Um, that's why I like, I make it cause I think yeah. it's cool. But like, uh, I think the perspective maybe that I come at zine stuff mm. with, cause I don't necessarily see myself as, I think zine people, Sometimes I'm going to speak broadly, generally. Uh, I've seen yeah. people sometimes view themselves as like a totally like sort of separate thing from like writers, right? Mm. Um, Interesting. Uh, or in like the the physical aspect of it is such a huge deal. Mm -hmm. um, and like the community aspect of it is such a huge deal mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Um, that I find it like a little bit impenetrable because most of my like friends are like people that write for blogs or like, yeah. and people in bands and people who like work in like the industry, like the music industry generally. But like, I guess to me, like it, it doesn't feel like I ever approached it from like 
being part of a community. Got it. Like, like I started doing it myself, like alone. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know people that make zines, but they're also don't, they're not really part of like, like a community. Yeah. And like, I don't know if that's how, like, like that's very much coming from like a perspective of someone who like, I lived in Chicago and I started doing it in Chicago and there is like an actual like defined community there of people. Right. And it's not that I think they're like mean, like, I don't know, yeah. like, I don't know them. Um, in fact, the Chicago Zine Fest uh, organizers have been really kind to me, but like, mm-hmm. it still feels very much like, okay, I didn't start doing this within the context of a zine community. I started doing it within the context of very much like an online community of like yeah. writers and like, like music writers and musicians and people like that, that I know. And like, so to me, it doesn't feel different than them, but Mm -hmm. like, it does feel different than like a zine community perspective, I guess. The parallels between that and like a band getting into like, you know, if you're, if you don't know the right people, it might be harder to get into like getting on shows or. Yeah. Like certain spaces, like you, you, it's hard to get into. Yeah. Yeah, because like it's it's funny when you're talking about like when you're t- when you talk about like not being quite sure like do I go like do I do this like not sure like that's kind of yeah. how I felt about like the hardcore scene here in Salt Lake because at the time it was like very straight edge and right. like I mean I knew people but like it just wasn't in it wasn't my DNA and right. so like yeah what I, I relate feel, to that yeah like what what I feel comfortable going to like a local only show where uh where I wasn't playing like I don't know like yeah and so I just participated within what felt comfortable to me and I think that's just that's what's in, important I think just being true yeah. to your, true to yourself and what and what you know so I think I think that you staying within like the music writer musician like that's that's great because that's it's who you are yeah I think like now I'm just like I focus all my energy on trying to make those people make physical things do you know what like that's funny that you say that because like (laughs) you so um Substack it's um (laughs) just so people know um it's like an online like I'm gonna probably butcher this somehow but it's just like an online blogging like uh, it's, site, yeah it's a blogging platform with like newsletter it's like a, you, there's yeah. it's newsletter but it's like you have like a page um yeah. i might be switching mine over to like a different platform um but it, it's all they're all the same it's just yeah. like a blog <laughs> i wrote yeah. a blog <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote i wrote a few but what, what what what's interesting of what um something i read of yours i can't, i don't know if it was like your nft specific I might be remembering wrong, but like, it was basically like you were encouraging folks like to make physical things. And I was kind of inspired by that. Of course, like kicking around ideas in my head, but I kind of wanted to see something because I I had about maybe like a thousand, two thousand CDs at one point and they're all Mm -hmm. gone. Other than stuff I knew I really couldn't ever get, whether it be like imports or local stuff. And there was like, okay, I'm, I'm going through my Spotify, like, you know, my, the artists I like, I'm like, okay, for instance, like the band Botch, I'm like, oh, I had this CD, We Are The Romans, I wonder if I can buy it again. You can't buy it unless you want to throw down $85. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Imagine. so like, yeah, and, and so I think we're, 
what's really interesting as far as like your background of like making z like physical stuff like like zines i don't know if it's just me being online and being like a part like noticing this very niche like thing happening as mm -hmm. far as this conversation is concerned but like i really feel like people right now are almost like clamoring for real stuff again yeah because like vinyl's been a thing people have been buying vinyl you know but to your to your point like people are having a hard time making vinyl and right. so now they're going over to tapes yeah and and of course like nfts are its own and if you don't know like dear dear listener if you don't know the nft you is, need it you need you know, it to know don't, don't worry about it but it's just like <laughs> genuinely think, think bitcoin and that's about what you can do but yeah, bitcoin um, for art yeah um <clears throat> but i i'm feeling the pull of like making stuff again that's just not like merchandise like real real art and i, and I really think i don't know if, if you feel this way like especially covid has like accentuated this a little bit more um and so why do you think people are like clamoring for real things like zines and and cassettes and, and vinyl and things like that i think like as as the internet gets older, you know, I think it's just sort of become like this like curve of like, okay, so the internet starts and you like all of a sudden you have all these options for stuff. But when, when the internet was like small and everyone's like, oh, you can get it for free and like, you yeah. don't have to pay and whatever. Um, and like illegally downloading and all that kind of stuff happens. But now like the internet is old enough and also huge, like, it's so overwhelming to go, to me, to go on like Spotify and be like, oh, let's find something to listen to. Like, if you were to go, or like to go on Bandcamp, have you ever been going on like the Bandcamp homepage? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I, it's, it's like, hard. It's hard. There's yeah. so much. And so, like, um, I think now people have sort of like shifted to being like, okay, we've had the internet for, along for like a while now <laughs> like I, this is like my like I've had it my whole life essentially mm -hmm. and like now you know there's like a reaction against just like stuff online because there's like freedom that comes with it being online but um like the novelty of it is gone and mm -hmm. just being like oh well maybe I just want something like cool that I can like hold in my hands and like I like I think that was always the appeal of like when vinyl like first started to come back, like, mm -hmm. you know, having like a record and like reading like liner notes and like, or, like even having CDs and like going through like yeah. little booklets and, you know, it's, um, it feels different. And now that the like sort of appeal of the internet, like I think people are so inundated with the internet all the time that there's a desire for something physical and something like mm -hmm. opposite that something something real something real something you can yeah. hold which is fun and like yeah um i don't know and i i'm i'm happy to see people starting to like i think like the vinyl uh like pressing issues that are going on like mm -hmm. are not good for people but i do think that they've started creating like uh i don't know people are deciding to make like um uh, like making zines or making tapes or making CDs, like whatever, like mm -hmm. doing different stuff than they yeah. might 
normally because like hey we're gonna put out an ep this summer mm-hmm. uh we but like it's not worth it to wait around for 12 months to get like a seven yeah. inch pressed mm-hmm. so what else can we do let's do something different and like that to me is really cool like yeah. not waiting um, for yeah. like a gatekeeper it really yeah. is a ga- like a, it's not like it's not like a purposeful gate gatekeeper it's not like like these but it certainly is evil one. but it, it's like a real like yeah it's a real natural uh gatekeeper because for me when i look at you know in, in the past where i've looked you know quotes for pressing vinyl you're not really making money if you're doing like a small batch of like seven inches or even like a 12 like you have to like order in quantity and sell in quantity in order yeah. to dream of it. Yeah. And I'm not saying like making money is like the end all be all to any of this, but like as an artist, it it's certainly great to be supported. sucks to lose money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like even like creating CDs or, or tapes, like I think that's for, for an artist or, or for a musician, that's like not a safe way, but it's a definitely more accessible way yeah. to, to do that um and support yourself and have and giving people the opportunity to opportunity to support you in a real right. way um so speaking of proponents of cds uh stephen hyden uh, we love stephen hyden yeah i, I listen to, i read everything he does and listen to the show um so he nice. <clears throat> segue uh, mm. he's been he's been a a big vocal uh fan of, of yours really mm-hmm. because of like your writing and for me what what drew me to your writing on your Substack or wherever you're going to end up in the next <laughs> um <clears throat> i thought it was really cool how you were talking about the scene like i said before talking about the scene and um how and you mentioned you went to school for uh music business essentially so you, yeah. you brought that <laughs> you brought that into <laughs> your writing but wasn't but what made it different is that you really brought yourself into that writing whether it be your relationship with your dad or like mental health and I was like mm-hmm. and it struck me as someone who struggles with vulnerability sometimes that I'm yeah. just like like holy shit she's like laying it out there but she's like smart <laughs> and, and, and funny and she has a really unique point of view so like would you call your blog like not so much a, a success, but how are you handling like all this like attention to your writing? And and if y'all haven't read any uh, any of Miranda's stuff, you really should. Um, but how are you how are you handling all that? Um. Okay. So I think there's in all reality like certain like not that many people read it, right? And you try to keep like a perspective on like how much is like the quantity of it all. The, the quantity of people. Like, it's, it's way more people than I ever really, like, thought would. Like, because I started mm-hmm. it last summer. It was, like, July last year. Mm-hmm. And I started it because, like, I was making zines, but I didn't want to keep going to the post office. I made one digital zine that I hated, and I didn't... Well, okay, the zine itself is cool. It's a bunch mm-hmm. of, like, contributor writing. It's awesome. Yeah. I just didn't like that it was all online. It didn't, like, feel the, the same to me. It didn't give me the same feelings, which is why I do it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, like... So I started it to talk about albums that like, you know, people I know and people like I know like really love mm-hmm. and that I like had never listened to. Yeah. Um, so I started it doing that and um and found it like really interesting or like really like fun to have just like an outlet that was like immediate because I didn't really have that before because I was like making zines is such a like, you know, 
extended process. Um, mm-hmm. And like the stuff that you write, like, you know, if I set, if I make a zine, like typically like you can buy it forever. Like you can buy it like whenever and I'll just print like another copy. <laughs> like I print mm-hmm. most of the stuff myself. So like, like if I write something in it, like it can't be like only relevant in like the, you know, the three weeks that you're taught, like people are talking about it online, like the topic mm-hmm. online, um, where on like a digital platform, like I can do that. And I can just like, like write about NFTs yeah, and it doesn't have to remain like a, something that like I would stand by necessarily in two years. Yeah. But like, I still print zines that I made in 2018. So like, yeah. um, you know, that stuff is like different. Like I, you know, very much a different mindset. Uh, but I think as more people read it and as I talk pretty openly and like have always talked pretty openly about like my like mental health or like my, like certain like relationships, like my dad, I wrote one about my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like as more people like read those things or like if it gets like a little bit of like more traction on Twitter or something. Yeah. Like I do feel like, I'm like, oh, like maybe I shouldn't have like. You shouldn't have said so much. I shouldn't or... have said that. <laughs> like, or, like, you know, like, um, and like, I'm, I'm comfortable with like, I talk a lot about like, um, like, I don't know, having like an eating disorder. Like I talk about that a lot. And it's like mm-hmm. a huge part of my life. And that's like not something that I'm like uncomfortable with discussing or like articulating mm-hmm. um, because it's it's not like the like front part of my brain. It's just like a, something that like I've dealt with for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, like that doesn't feel uncomfortable for me to talk about. Yeah. And like coming from someone who like, I spent all of my teenage years on Twit on um, like Tumblr mm-hmm. and like writing just like the like most dramatic, whatever, like, <laughs> like totally As just like, do. just talking like, to myself essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and not really considering that other people read it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it doesn't feel different than that really. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm writing something more like self, like, I don't know, not confessional, but like, you know, something more, a little bit more open about like, like my internal life. Um, yeah. Does it feel different when I'm writing it and like posting it? But then sometimes if that gets like a little bit more attention than I'm expecting, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and it yeah. does like freak me out for a second. But I think at the end of the day, like, um, like, I don't, I don't know. I just try to keep like a perspective on like how much like like how many people are actually reading it, like actually seeing it and like that it's not that many people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, to bring up Stephen Hyden, who uh, <laughs> I know he talked about my newsletter on IndieCast with Ian Cohen, um, yeah. and which was super nice and like really yeah. cool. Cause like I've read both those guys writing forever and like, right. um, he's, you know, super, super kind, but, uh, <laughs> but like, it's crazy that like he he said that he spent you know four minutes at the end of the podcast talking about my newsletter and like he had told me the day before that or whatever a couple days before he was like hey by the way like I talk about your newsletter in on IndieCast this week and I was like oh cool thanks um (laughs) but I didn't realize that that happened and then immediately like 150 people signed up for my newsletter like as soon as IndieCast like dropped like yeah so it was like 
to me, like, that is crazy because, like, he is, like, someone with, like, real pull and, like, real power. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, and I, but, and that's, like, kind of scary. Um, but also, like, it, it gives me, like, some perspective on, like, oh, like, that's unimaginable. Like, I cannot imagine that. Mm. Uh, so, like, it's just sort of, like, trying to keep, like, a perspective on, like, okay, not that many people are looking at you. Don't, like, it doesn't matter. Like, don't worry about it. Um, one time, another uh, music writer who I like a lot, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say his name, but he, like, <laughs> he said to me, uh, people with, 3,000 Twitter followers or two to 3,000 Twitter followers are the worst because they have never had that many people looking at them. But also like, that's not like many people at all. Like mm -hmm. they have, but they have no reference point for that. Like they have yeah. no reference point for like having that many people looking at them. Mm. Um, and I'll spin that in a nice way. He didn't mean it in a nice way. I don't think <laughs> I'll spin that into like, you know, it's, it, it's easy to get caught up in something that's like new and like having like more people than ever, like paying attention to something you're saying. Uh -huh. But at the end of the day, it's not that many people and you shouldn't get like stressed out about it. Yeah. You know what? Like, I think you're handling that sort of thing far better than like I would have at that age. <laughs> cause like, cause I started like playing shows and touring and like having like quote unquote, like notoriety, like there's mm -hmm. square, square quotes there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, at least like in my in my local band that I had and you know that kind of stuff can like get to your head and like for some people like 150 to like 3000 like they're like oh my gosh I've made it in whatever like certain way that right. is you know because like I, I don't think you and I can fathom having like a million people listen or watch no. what, what we could do You're like oh hell no. no or like I can't imagine <laughs> like like how many Twitter followers do you think Stephen Hyden has like 40,000? 30,000, something like that. Yeah, I can't imagine that. That seems yeah. ridiculous to me. <laughs> like, and having folks like me like sweep back at him, whatever like opinion I have about whatever he's talking right. about. And whether- you and, you and so many other people, like people, yeah. But it's, it's weird, um, you know, when bigger music writer stuff, because I think like music fans have like such a, or like fans, people who are fans of music writers, um, which I am one, you know, whatever, uh, <laughs> like, I don't mean this in a that in a derogatory way, but people who are like are invested in like music writing, mm. I think are like a very specific kind of person that will respond and like do like you you form like a a parasocial relationship. Mm. Um, but what that ends up happening is like, you know, Stephen Hyden, you know, posting like my like Wilco review. Um, which is also very great. I, I <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, that yeah that one did really well which really surprised me because well, i don't know it was weird but um but yeah he quote tweeted that but then like the effect of him interacting with it or the effect of like uh like any anyone with like a sig more significant following like they end up bringing their fans like to you and those people are often like like not that nice to like me mm. as like and I don't know if that's just like, I think it's, it's heightened because I'm a woman, um, heightened because I'm a young woman. <laughs> um, but like that to me, I think is the most jarring thing as opposed to like 
uh, you know, just like the idea of like, you know, people following me on Twitter and like talking to mm -hmm. me, like that doesn't bother me. I've never been bothered by that. But like, it's when like other people come to my stuff because mm -hmm. someone that they view as like, like not a celebrity, but like a, someone with like someone who has like a significant following on Twitter. Yeah, someone um, influential. Someone influential, like, or like a big writer. Um, you know, cause that interaction is so different than anything I've ever had. Yeah. Which is, then that's the weird part. And that's the part that I don't enjoy. <laughs> yeah. And I think the weird, like the, how I came to your writing was more like scene based. I was like a bit more natural yes. to like who you are and, and, and who I am. Like, Oh, she's talking about like emo or whatever. It's mm -hmm. like, and I right. like emo. And so like, that's natural. But whereas like Stephen Hyden, who's as far as like, out of the pairing of like Ian Cohen and, and him, like he's the less like emo, you know. Right? Oh, for so, sure. And so Stephen Hyden, have... yeah, Ian Cohen, the I've, <laughs> um, yeah, I had yeah beef with a lot of Ian Cohen reviews in, in my <laughs> in my high school days, but uh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, no, I think there's definitely a, a difference between like people who, and a difference that I can tell based in like who you follow and who follow you and like whatever, yeah. like if I click on someone's profile who's like responding to me, like I can tell where they're coming at like my writing from. And it's not enough people where I don't do that. Like I do like click on people's profiles and I'm like, oh, like who do you follow? And if it's, yeah. you know, Stephen Hyden and like a bunch of like, like a certain kind of band, I'm like, oh, you don't really have like the, like a perspective on like, that you're I'm not coming to from and that's here. why you're you're responding to me this way um which yeah. is fine and like whatever like yeah. it's it's twitter it's not like that deep but yeah um but yeah i think there's a difference between like someone like you coming at it from like very much like a shared similar like space like between like bands and like scene stuff mm -hmm. versus like coming to my writing from a because like another writer like pushed it yeah um, both are good things and I'm, and I'm more than happy to have both, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, yeah, but it's things you have to deal with as a, as a creator, you know, how are people discovering you and yeah. you kind of, and it's really interesting to, to, um, I don't know, to think about that sometimes. Uh, so another thing that you were talking a lot about this, you know, past few months and so I, I feel like we had some parallel things going on in our lives per personally, but, um, <laughs> you were writing a lot either on Twitter or, you know, in your, in your uh, newsletter, you went to law school and yeah. like, you weren't more or less saying that you were struggling with it, but you were struggling with it and you're being very open about it. Whereas like at the same yeah. time, I was like struggling with my like professional stuff. So like, I kind of mm -hmm. like took to that. Cause I kind of, it's not so much like, uh, there's some sort of like empathy going, going on. There. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, I had, I don't know who did what first, but I think I might've quit my job before yours or before you quit law school. But it was really interesting to see because like in the past couple of years, I've been like a, a huge proponent of like quitting. Whereas like, yeah, <laughs> I think we're taught at an early age is like, just stick it out. Just be like, mm -hmm. whether being like being loyal or mm -hmm. like having this sort of like, I don't, I don't know how to, how to explain it, but it's just like a sense yeah. of duty or like obligation. Like you signed up for it, you have to finish it. Right. And so a well, two part question, why did you start law school and what was the process of 
of you quitting that and and did like yeah. your writing and, and zines like have anything to do with that uh, decision okay um okay so i decided to go to law school so i graduated college in 2018 um at yeah, the ripe age of 20 years old and <laughs> was just like, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I didn't like really want to do music industry stuff, which I thought I did. And I mm -hmm. ended up sort of not really wanting to do that. Um, like feeling super like lost, just didn't have any direction, didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um but I knew like in college that I liked like uh, like contract stuff and more like like that side of music and media stuff. Um, and one of my professors was a lawyer and so I talked to him and uh, kind of, I guess, did it because I didn't know what else to do, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people end up going to grad school or going to... Um, to me, law school seems like a more extreme choice, but a lot of people do end up going to like, um, like logical for what I was like, my thought process, but like. Right, contracts, makes sense. Yeah, contracts and like that kind of stuff. Um, so, and at least like that gave me like this like structure. I think like, I don't know, with school, like it's hard to go from, you know, you go to school for your whole life and it's like this implicit structure to like not having that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's weird. So like, you know, being like, okay, I'm going to take the LSAT. So I have to study for six months, you know, and I worked at like a coffee shop mm -hmm. um, and lived like with my friends and it was fine. But I had like this thing that I was like able to like look forward to yeah um and like so for like a, you know a year and a half like spending all of my time focused on like that thing like going to law school like getting in taking the LSAT all that stuff yeah. making a decision where to go and then thinking about okay now I'm moving to Philadelphia to do that it like gave this structure mm -hmm. uh <laughs> and then I but like I don't know that I ever like wanted to be a lawyer I don't yeah. know I think it was like a thing that I knew I could do so I right. was like oh well, maybe I'll want to do that and so I tried doing that yeah um I think law school is I have a lot of thoughts about like law school as like a the way that it's built mm. um because in my opinion legal education should be closer to like um like a trade school okay yeah because what you're doing is like uh it's a trade it is like to yeah. you don't learn the law you learn how to look up the law yeah that's what law school is that's what being a lawyer is yeah. um like learning to work with these like like databases and how to read legal writing that's a skill mm -hmm. uh for sure and a very interesting skill um you know objectively as far as like i see it i think it's a 
it's, you know, based in classist, racist yeah. ideology, the way that we write, the way that the, our laws are written, the mm -hmm. way that our laws are passed, the way that like, like the legislature and the judiciary work is mm -hmm. extremely classist. Um, and the reason that we have law school is because they like white lawyers didn't want black people to be lawyers because they thought it was, you know, something above them. Uh, like you needed that other hurdle they knew that they couldn't yeah. get. Over. So, so now <laughs> we have law school, which is like this fake academic bullshit. Um, and everyone's like, oh, well, law school isn't like being a lawyer. And you're like, so why is it like what? this? Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's literally miserable. Um, and like first semester, I was like <laughs> miserable. If you read, <laughs> there's like some posts that I've made on like my Substack that's like, I'm like just like losing my mind. And um, should I have written them? Who knows? But like <laughs> I did <laughs> and I'm like miserable. And it felt like such a like strange, like waste of, energy to be like going to class especially my first semester was all online miserable mm. yeah, um I bet. it's like you're sitting there and you're like it, all this like weird totally like based entirely out of reality like legal writing and reading um and it's really strange like Anyway, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of reading. Um, mm -hmm. And then this semester, I was like going to classes. I had two classes in person this semester. And it was like, I'd go and I would just be like, like, not even that I was doing poorly or like falling behind, but I was just like, why am I here? Like, what am I mm -hmm. like wanting to do? And the more that I thought about it and the more that I like interviewed for internships and all of that, it was just like, what, like, can I see myself being a lawyer? I know what being a lawyer is. I know lawyers who like work in like, like music and IP in like mm. the way that I would want to. Um, and I know what they do. Like, I know what they do all day. Like, I'm not, you know, uninformed on what the job actually is. Because yeah. people are right when they say that law school and being a lawyer are very different because like, if you're a business lawyer, your criminal law class doesn't matter. Your con law it's class doesn't matter. Point. It's just, you, you have to be trained to be in the US. Um, you, everyone, all lawyers are trained the same and that's to be prosecutors. Um, so Fun. all of your like required classes are like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or like, def or defense lawyers, <laughs> you know, you, you're trained to be like, like, you could go into a courtroom and litigate. You're joined as litigators, um, which in other countries, like in the UK, that's not how it is. There's like barristers who are litigators and then there's solicitors who are not and they have very different schooling and it's different. Here, we don't have that. Um, there's paralegals, which that means you like, you know, that's like doing grunt work for lawyers. Like that's yeah. whatever. Um, but that's like the only thing that we have that's like close to it. Um, Anyway, I decided, I was like, I don't want to be a lawyer. 
I don't know that like writing really is like um, like a super driving factor in mm. that decision. I think like knowing people who do a lot of different things um, definitely like impacts like impacted how I thought about like having a career because mm-hmm. I think like I don't think that I think about you know a career in the way that like my parents do yeah um and like talking to my mom about it and being like I don't know like what my like you know because my parents my dad has worked for the same company for like 30 some years and he yeah. started in like a tool the tooling shop at his company and then worked up and now he's like whatever i don't i don't know what my dad's job is anymore um <laughs> but he like works in like the office and like has like a really good my dad like has like a really a really good job mm-hmm. but it's because he was allowed to work he has like a technical degree and then it like he was able to move up within this company and like that doesn't you can't do that now yeah. Like my dad's career it's path so doesn't hard. exist now because my dad now who's hiring people who would be doing his job when he was in his twenties, mm-hmm. um, early, early thirties, those people now have engineering degrees. Mm-hmm. My dad doesn't have an engineering degree. Um, and my mom who is like an administrator at like a pretty big public school system in um, public school district in Illinois, mm-hmm. like her, career path is like she worked at a school and then she got a master's degree and then she was able to move up within the school it's a very like traditional sort of um career growth and i think like unless you want to work in a school or work in healthcare, i think a lot of that like career path doesn't really exist anymore yeah but and i think that's you know there's good and bad with that but i think um like knowing people who do all kinds of stuff and like people who are happy doing like um you know doing different things and like uh there's a writer i guess i don't know how to say his last name zachary lipez l-i-p-e-z um he's like a pretty big music writer he he's like typically like a part-time writer and a part-time bartender and he's like i love yeah. being a bartender and i think that's fun and like yeah. <laughs> like i you know and being okay with not having like a like a this step to the next step to the next step career Mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah I think that's what you brought up as far as like what our parents grew up with so like as far as like my my background is both my parents were in the military for 20 plus years wow and so that's like (laughs) that's a structure to the extreme (laughs) yeah exactly and um and so in the past few years you know that for, for me like there's been like layoffs new jobs me leaving blah 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 yeah and i can always tell that this like sort of concern about like not having that long term like stability sort of thing yeah. but especially as like how the economy like like not to be like that capitalism bleh, you know mm. that cap- that sort of so thing. true though but <laughs> but true Right. And you, and you, and you sort of, and if you've been around the block enough, you, you know, that inherently like this system isn't, isn't in your corner. 
Yeah. Right. And I think there's a sort of freedom just to be able to say like, no, that's not what I want to do anymore. Yeah. And I think, and, and, and you think about like prior generations and how generally like unhappy. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, even like 10 years ago for me, like, I'd be like, it's some sort of like spiritual way, like, eh, I don't care about happiness. I just want a deeper joy. And if that means working a lot and still being joyful, that's fine. But, but, but then but you're not I'll, joyful, but I'm not <laughs> joyful. I'm still miserable. <laughs> yeah. Before I, I decided I was like, okay, I'm going to like, once I like mentally, like made the decision to, that I was like, not gonna, like at very least I wasn't going to come back after the year. Um, I was like, all of a sudden I was like, oh, like I can feel happiness again yeah like like it's it's nice to be like you know and I remember like whatever I worked at a coffee shop forever and it was like Mm -hmm. like there's parts of it that suck but like you know what it's nice to work from 5 a.m to 2 p.m and just like have like the rest of the day to be like whatever <laughs> i did that life and that was great you know if it was like 4 to 11 go home take oh yeah then, it's like, great you're, you're set you know sometimes i sometimes i miss that you know and i mm-hmm. think there's something to being able to at least for me because i you know in the marketing sometimes advertising world sometimes you can't leave work at home and yeah. especially in this past year it was at home you know yeah. understanding that and especially like in the past like month like after I quit and you know I had read this article about like kids in high school right now are just generally unhappy now yeah. it's like what if my issues are just as simple as like my whole world got turned around and yeah and leaning into like what would make me happy right now so I can make it yeah <laughs> so I can survive yeah also I I totally feel that like I I consider that like maybe if we were in like a regular uh, like a regular year, like maybe I wouldn't have felt so like unhappy like last semester if like I had been in classes all the time and had like a regular sort of experience. Like maybe I wouldn't, maybe I would have stayed and maybe I would be yeah. like, you know, continuing and whatever. Um, I don't think that like matters that much, but I do think that like, I think it's okay to be like, hey, like my whole life changed this year. Mm-hmm. In the last year, everything has changed, and now, like, my life trajectory is going to change. Yeah. Um, and, like, not that, like, my writing is, like, a career. Um, it's not. It's, you know, whatever. <laughs> I make some money <laughs> off it, but that's, like, it's, like, totally its own weird thing. Um, like, like, I wouldn't have, like, started that had I, Mm -hmm. had we like not had like the pandemic because like I didn't have a job and I was doing nothing. And so I was like, and I didn't want to make a zine because I was like, I don't want to have to go to the post office to like mail everything out. Okay, what can I do? I did this thing that has turned into something that like uh, is, you know, fun and important to me and has like made me at least like a lot of friends. Like I do like a podcast now and like that's all stuff that I met people um that's with people that I met like online and like yeah like Eric and Eli and Michael who like I do the podcast with they um yeah are just people that I know from making zines and making and like writing yeah and like I <laughs> last year like spent a lot of time writing about like 
writing about writing about like music journalism mm -hmm. uh and like that's the reason i was ever on like it was initially eric and eli's podcast it's called endless scroll perhaps i should plug it directly plug it. um <laughs> but uh like i went on there to talk about newsletters and i went on there to talk about freaking anthony fantano one time and like stuff that like i like because like as a reaction to stuff that i had written before like there was sort of mm -hmm. there's like adjacent pieces to each of those podcasts yeah. but like um you know and, and that's like a at least to me personally like a like a huge thing in my life that like i wouldn't have started had this not happened <laughs> you know had COVID not happened yeah um and i think it's like cool to be like i don't i think it's short-sighted to think that everyone should be able to just be like put blinders on and be like this is a temporary thing and everything's going to go back to normal i think that's a really short-sighted way to view it especially because it's like it's one like mass traumatic like yeah not even in like, intangible ways either exactly like, exactly yeah. you know and and you know i'm lucky that like none no one like close to me has died but mm -hmm. like my family like all of my family members have gotten COVID because my sisters both work in public facing jobs and didn't have a choice. Like my sister's yeah. like one's a bartender and one uh, is a store manager and those like those jobs don't have options or like, you know, a lot of my friends work as like nurses and that kind of stuff. And it's horrible. Yeah. And um, I think it's really short-sighted to be like uh, to treat like prioritizing some happiness in yourself as like a selfish thing like it's not to do yeah. that like you should be able to you should be able to react to this horrible thing we've all been through like mm -hmm. watching people get sick and not know if they're gonna like be okay is like a traumatic thing to go through yeah and like you know not even to mention the intangible like mass death that's happened um as well as like a mass shutdown of you know your whole life as you know it like Mm -hmm. reacting to that isn't like juvenile like changing yeah. your your like trajectory in life isn't juvenile it's it makes sense like yeah. it's, it's, it's in its own it's in its own way it's a sense of survival really you know whether like existential yeah. mental uh, and, and for me like being stuck in a in a room for 360 more than 365 days doing stuff yep. I didn't like you know it was probably yeah me too here like, yeah 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 um but it was right like, here yeah in the room that you're in right now um, yeah exactly but um but you know it was like you know i've had some everyone's got stuff that's happened to them but it was like realistically one of the darkest years of of my life and i and I, and I started this as a way for me to cope with that, you know? Yeah. But, but as you're saying, like, it's afforded me the opportunity to, like, A, talk to you and talk to other, you know, heroes of mine. And that's, and that's badass. And the fact yeah. that I got that out of this is better than I can say for some people, you know, not to, not to compare by any means, but, like, it's my way of surviving. So, and, and this, yeah. and you quitting law school is your way and, and yeah. making all your stuff and look <laughs> look where we are now <laughs> we've made it yeah still sitting in this room but <laughs> <laughs> but at least you don't have like even more like dread and yeah but at least I, I don't have to read like 400 pages for month for I don't know, it's Monday today um 
for tomorrow or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, uh, being able to refocus and like try to figure out like with like a different, very much like a different mindset than when I was like, when I, from when I decided to go to law school to now, like my attitude toward like, like structure and career and work and like, you know, self identity and stuff is like so different. It's wildly yeah. different. Like I'm 23 now, but um, when I graduated, like I was 20 and I was just like scared. Now I don't feel as scared. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? You're you're far ahead uh, where I, where I was at at this point. So what, if that's any consolation, <laughs> like as far as like emotionally and like in the sense of what, who the hell am I? You're you're doing pretty yeah. good. So yeah. we'll see. Who knows? Who knows who I am? <laughs> I'm sure I'll like look back on myself uh, in a few years and be like, who was that? I don't yeah. know. Uh, yes, that will happen. <laughs> That's what happens, I guess. But. <laughs> um, one, one last question before yeah. I, I let you go. Um, so we're talking a lot about zines and, and writing. And if, if anyone had an, an interest in that, because I, I saw, because, um, you know, being on a point, I haven't bought your zine, but I have seen what, how you've done it. And you have shown, like, behind the scenes kind of stuff of working within, like, the program and yeah. whatnot. And I thought that was really cool because, like, I way I pass my time is like looking and how to like record and mix yeah. music and stuff. So like, to me, that's just another like, Ooh, process. Love this. Right. Thing. Right. Right. Um, so if someone was interested in either making a zine, let's just say making a zine, right? Sure. Um, what are some good places to start? Um, I think like once you have like an idea, cause you know, the ideas is the first, the first hurdle. Um, to me, like, there's a lot of, like, really, like, basic stuff that, like, when you search how to, like, if you search, like, how to make a zine, um, like, on Google, <laughs> you'll get, like, initially either something from, like, so long ago that it's, like, impossible to read because the way that the website is formatted is terrible. Yeah. Or you get like super basic, like, um, like how to make like a one page, like eight frame, like folded zine, like mini zines, which are cute. And I, yeah. you know, more power to you. Uh, that stuff frustrates me because folding and stuff like that, I can't do. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> uh, and they never turn out as like neat as I want them to. Mm. And I'm sure that comes with practice, but I'm not going to do that. You uh, don't have time for that. No, I, I really, I really don't. Frustrates me. So, um, I would say like, you know, super basics, like everything has to be a multiple of four. Cause it has to do, you know, one, two, three, four front and back, um, back frames. But, <laughs> um, I use a program. My publishing program is called affinity publisher, which is awesome. I refuse to pay for, Adobe's publishing software because it's impossible to use um, and there's no reason for it. Affinity, it's $25 like flat fee. Yeah. And I refuse because yeah. not a subscription because Adobe's subscription model drives me nuts. Um, I think like when you go from like publishing stuff digitally to publishing stuff like physically, just like considering like 
how much ink is this going to actually take? Or like, you have to you know, switch your mindset to like, like, how is this going to like look on the page versus like, I think writers sometimes in my, in my, the way I view it, writers, uh, you know, prioritize the words first, mm -hmm. but like, don't think about like what font looks good. Like, don't like have a hard time with that. So like messing around with, with fonts and like giving yourself time to like really um, understand what stuff looks like mm -hmm. uh, is like a huge, like a, a, there's a learning curve there to like really understand like, okay, I don't like how this looks. Why don't I like how this looks? Mm -hmm. um, as far as like actually like printing and like making zines, uh, my biggest advice, if you want your zine to look nice is use 28 pound paper. Uh, Nothing flimsy. Regular printer paper is 20 pound. 28 pound paper, it'll, it'll feel a little bit more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I once I wrote a, like a how to thing for uh, Music Journalism Insider, which is like a newsletter about music journalism uh, for who's that's run by Todd Burns, who's awesome. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I think with zine stuff, you just sort of have to start doing it mm -hmm. and like, just like try to print something out and like try to just like learn how to fold like a regular booklet, mm -hmm. um, figure out what you want to do and like what you're writing and how long something can be. Learning how many words can fit on a page in a zine is like, it's, there's a learning curve there. Yeah. Like I, I, if I ask people for writing, it's like, okay, if someone gives me 1200 words, it's gonna at least need like four half letter pages because I'm not just gonna print something that's just like a wall of text. Yeah, you're not um, printing a book. Exactly. So you have to like, you know, learning those things are hard, but you like, it's hard to be like, uh, you just have to like start doing it and like figuring out like how long something is going to be and how much like, uh, like how many resources it's like you're going to have to put into it. And that stuff is like, you just have to do it. But like, yeah. I ran like my whole zine thing off of my best friend's $20 printer for two years. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. Like you don't yeah. like it's, you know, the barrier to entry isn't high. You know, if you yeah. can uh, make something, if you can like figure out like something you want to write about or like, you know, draw or whatever, uh, like you can make a zine. You really can. It's just about, um, there's just going to be like some trial and error. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think overthinking it I think is the worst thing that people do is just like getting so in their head about like anytime I talk to anyone about like they like want to make a zine they're like so in their head about using like 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 what software to use and okay well how many words should it be and how many like how much space like how big should the font be and you're like you're just gonna have to figure it out and like yeah do it and it's like print stuff is 
pretty low stakes in that like it's probably not gonna have like a super huge reach yeah um which is confining in some ways but like good for um like starting yeah because Having like that, that yeah. error that like margin for error it's like not yeah. everyone's gonna see it you know we're gonna see it and like yeah. if you end up not really not liking something that you made like two years ago or three years ago or something like no one's gonna no one remembers it yeah. and like n not that many people saw it and like everything's just about learning and having fun yeah. and trying to like make something because making something is fun and yeah. like uh I, I get so much out of like the actual process of putting like zines together and like to me that feels very much like like a sort of therapeutic thing where it's just like mindless sort of activity like mm -hmm. doing something with my hands that feels like very physical um and I think that more people should do it and I think people would get like out like a lot out of it yeah. And I think like writers get, um, would get something out of seeing like, like making something that you wrote into something that you can hold and like give to someone, but also like zines can be anything like zines can yeah. be three pieces of paper folded in half and stapled and like, fine. Like it, <laughs> like it yeah. doesn't need to be anything that's like super professional or it can be something much more like uh you know you can get stuff printed than like professionally and uh you know it's it's just about what you want it to be that's what zines are zines are really just what you want to be yeah. however if you do want to read a how-to guide i did once write one for music journalism insider and you can find that online <laughs> send me the link and i'll put it in the, in the notes i will i will i wrote yeah. it yeah last year about i guess probably about this time april last year Sweet, because I, I might myself, uh, you know, bring back the zine as well. Yeah. Shit. So, you know, bring back the college days, because I'm pretty sure what you mentioned about the eight panel folded, like that's exactly folded what I Folded in half did, so. and then folded in four. And <laughs> yeah, so I think I would be more into uh, putting something together. I'm actually like printing yeah. myself, at least, at least for me, because like, like I said, I'm not, a, I've never been great at like the folding, the tactile stuff, but I think, yeah. um, when you're talking about doing something for yourself and therapeutic, it's almost like this would this, this go for anything, but like whatever makes you feel like you're a kid in the sandbox again, just doing stuff just because you wanted, like, not right. even you want to do it, you're just like involved in it. I think, you know, whether it be <laughs> yeah. zines or whatever, or making songs or writing, like, yeah. I think that's the, I think that's good. That's, that's good for us. So, yeah. Anyway, I've taken en enough of, of your time. So I, I thought this was a really cool conversation because I think the more people focus on like happiness and finding what they, you know, want to do or just do because they feel compelled to, that's yeah. what, that, I think that's, I could be wrong. That feels like that's what making zines and, and writing is for you. Like you can't help it. It's just what you like to do. And I think, yeah. I think the more that people lean into that, I think we'll just have happier, a happier society in general. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was really cool to hear your, your story. And if people want to find your Substack and all that, pl plug your stuff one more time. Okay. Uh, so my Substack is mirandareiner.substack.com. 
Um, if that changes at some point relatively soon, regardless, that link will probably bring you wherever my writing is. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter, which is at Miranda Reinert, um, <laughs> which is where most of my stuff ends up. Uh, anyway, so uh, follow me there. I do a podcast called Endless Scroll, which is about music and the internet. Um, I do it with uh, my lovely, lovely friends, Eric Bennett, Elianis, and Michael Brooks. Uh, we have uh, Endless Scroll is in my bio on Twitter. You can find us there. Um, also, I have a Patreon, which is cool. So consider giving, giving us money as a collective. You can consider giving me money individually through my Substack or whatever newsletter platform I am working on. Um, oh, my zines, you can, that, those can be found at Wendy, uh, wendyhousepress.bigcartel.com. Um, again, all that stuff is linked all on my Twitter and whatever. So Sweet. thank you so much for talking to me. It was really fun. I love yeah. to, I love coming on podcasts. I think it's really fun. <laughs> Same. No, I've only been on a, a couple of my times. So, uh, but it's always interesting to have someone like pick your brain. Like, why would someone want to talk to me? Oh, like, this hmm. is why. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. It's, it's fun to, um, yeah, maybe that's like a little bit of a narcissistic thing in me, but I, uh, also, uh, I don't talk to that many people every day because I sit in my apartment all the time. So it's really fun. <laughs> I agree. Well, thank you so much.